This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Outdoor Adventure Foundation. Now, this foundation uh, was founded by uh, Lieutenant General M.L. Buck Bennar. This guy has served in the United States Marine Corps for 37 years, and he's a three-star general. They came up with this foundation to help disabled veterans or disabled children or anyone who has any kind of physical disability that they're able to go out and go on these outdoor adventures and or even hunting trips and it's mainly here in Nevada and they try to get them to go to different places here in Nevada to go fishing to go hunting or if hunting or fishing is not their thing some kind of outdoor activity they have a lot of people that are working with this foundation sometimes they'll even go down to a ranch in Arizona and be able to use that and that they'll be able to uh, be a part of this, even though that they may have a disability where they think, well, I can't go hunting. Maybe they're missing a limb or there's something else wrong with them. But this foundation goes to great measures to make sure that these individuals will have this opportunity and be able to have that personal story to tell about uh, a fun hunting trip or some kind of an outdoor adventure. What's funny, and we were talking to the Werners in this episode, and they are uh, they work a lot with this Outdoor Adventure uh, Foundation. They say that the biggest problem with this foundation is they can't find enough people to participate in it. For whatever reason, some people aren't coming to the foundation, or the word is not getting out to everyone. So that's why the podcast is really uh, want to. We really want to get behind this foundation. We want to help them. We want to get the word out there. So if you know anyone that would be eligible to participate in the Nevada Outdoor Adventure Foundation, please go visit www.nvoaf.org. On the website, it's going to tell you all the qualifications. It's going to let you know all the information and uh, numbers and everything that you're going to need to do to help that individual to participate in this. This is a fantastic opportunity for these people, and it's a wonderful way that they're able to give back and to serve the men and women who have served us. And uh, I was really touched when uh, Ryan Warner was telling us about this foundation. You're going to hear about it in this next episode. He's going to get into the history of it and get into even more of the details. So please check that website out. Uh, the link is in the bio. And... Uh, Let's get the word out. Let's get some people participating in this and having these wonderful experiences. Like always, we appreciate you tuning in and listening to the podcast. We know there's a lot of podcasts to choose from. We're grateful that you chose ours. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust. And when you're up, it's never as good as it seems. And when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. What's your name? My name is Adam. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? Actually, I'm supposed to be at my daughter's graduation party. That's oh. how committed I am. It's, it's for kids. There's going to be a bunch of teenagers there. But why are you supposed to be there? Thank you. Sounds My like you, it sounds exactly. like you're staying in trouble right now. I, I I am in a little bit of trouble, but I'm 
we're going to get through this, and then I'll go by there. All right. At sounds the end, good. Just to clean up and get out of there. I don't want to be around a bunch of high school kids swimming in the pool, man. That's that, come on. That's weird. That's like chaperoning at your own kid's prom. <sighs> Can't do that. Anyways. Do you want to introduce who, who's with well, us today? Well, no. Welcome to another episode of Staying in Trouble, man. We got a, we got a good one here. Uh, today in the studio, we have the Werners. Werners? Yes. Yeah. And we have Ryan and Vicki. Uh, Vicky's not going to say too much, <laughs> but we're grateful that they're here. Um, they own uh, Werner Family Taxidermy, and uh, they also, uh, well, you know. Why don't you give us an introduction, yeah. Ryan, of like a little bit of your background, you know, and how you branched out to these other ventures, and, and give us a little background for, for, you know, our listeners that may not Obviously know Obviously, you've been a hunter other... your whole life, right? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. Oh, wow. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pump the brakes on that one. Uh, I went one time when I was 14 years old. We went on a Colorado trip and what didn't have the best experience. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go until I got out of the service and, and got a bond with my dad that I never had uh, because he was prior service too. Yeah. And that was kind of what our bond was. Mm -hmm. And we got into it together um, right after our oldest son was probably about a year old. So about 24 years is... I guess so. It's been a long time now, but what, that's what, what. what branch did you serve in? Uh, we were in. The, I was in the Marine Corps. Oh, our wonderful! Whole, okay. awesome. Our whole family, both of my grandpas, my dad, nice. me. Now I got two kids that are in right now, getting out in August. So nice, awesome. Yep, going down there. Matter that's of fact, a, my grandfather was one of the Jenkins and helped build the chapel on uh, Ocean, the Ocean Street Chapel. The old one. The old that's one. Gone, yeah, yeah, the old one. So the old yeah. one was the one I, I was baptized in. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so is Vicky. Yeah. And all my kids, I think. Yep, all of them. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that used to be the only font in Henderson. It was. Yeah. It was. Well, cool. So I, wait, so I, I kind of have another question. So you, you said after you got out of the service, you, yes. that formed a, a real strong bond with your father. Right, yeah. So it was kind of rocky when you were a teenager. You were kind of a... A piss ant or? You know, I wouldn't say that. My dad uh, always tried his hardest to provide with his family. But he had, you know, like, I guess you'd call it PTSD. But the older guys didn't call it that. You know, yeah, they didn't have yeah. any issues. They're just grumpy old men. But, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so we, we didn't bond a lot. He didn't. We didn't have a lot to talk about. So we didn't do a whole lot together. He was there. You know, he provided. But mm -hmm. he struggled with alcohol and, and his other addictions, gambling and all that. But so... When we got out, there was a chance for him to meet us in Hawaii and come back in one of the Navy ships with us. Oh, awesome. And when he did, just being around that environment with my friends that were there, it changed his entire life, changed us. We became almost best friends after that point. Fascinating. And uh, so with that common bond, uh, we just did everything together and started, went quail hunting one day. Then we, we want a little more than quail. Yeah. I even had to borrow my first shotgun to go quail hunting. Where'd you go quail hunting? Uh, out by Searchlight. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we just had a great time, and uh, it went into big game hunting and fishing, and, and now my family, that's that's almost all we do for fun now, shoot or, or hunt or fish. or We even trapped here for quite a while in, in Nevada. Oh, awesome. And so how did that – how did you go from – so was your dad doing taxidermy before you got out? Or? No. So taxidermy, 
Actually, uh, so a little background, right? So I'm not, I'm not a Hendersonite. Right. Okay. So okay. So because so now I married into Henderson. Okay. So I'm I'm married to a Hendersonite. Kind of accept them in. Yeah. <laughs> and most people I've been around, and I've you know I've got I've got more hair on my head than Adam does right oh, now. Jeez. But so they just assume that I'm a little bit younger, a little bit better looking, and uh, <laughs> of course, right. And so for me, your your taxidermy's been around for forever, right? And and, and so. Uh, you know, this is eye-opening for me because I just assumed you guys were like, you know, creme de la creme. Like this has just been passed on for generations. It it really hasn't. So, like I say, so we formed this that bond with my dad, and of yeah. course, my kids got involved. Vicky got involved, and she did some. Grew up in the mountains with her dad, and she's my governor. She'll chime in when when she wants to. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, <clears throat> my dad passed away in '06. Uh, he was only 56 years old. So when he did, she got me a hunt uh, for turkey on my own. It was the first time I hunted by myself. And so the kids were just babies at the time. And then we ended up winning a trip playing around on eBay in Texas. So I went to Texas to hunt and had the first tax because we couldn't afford taxidermy. So what what were you doing? Oh, for sure. Uh, So up until then, what were you doing? We were just hunting here and there. We wanted a lot of stuff mounted, but we couldn't afford it, so we never did. And where where did you work at the time? I at the time I was working at the Blue Diamond Mine. Okay. Up at up there. Then I was building houses at the time. Yeah. And then after nine eleven, I went to the county, and so I've been there ever since. Mm -hmm. But we we really didn't do taxidermy we didn't know much about it or anything so we started getting into it and then vicky decided because she went to one of the the day camps where they did it a week over at the park up in henderson for the scouts oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and yeah. they had a taxidermist there and vicky was like i'm interested so she talked to him said i want to do it he kind of blew her off so a year comes around we go to texas we get it back she's like i can do better than that because she's always been in art, mm-hmm. Vicky has. So we go up and shoot a badger. Um, we've never seen a badger in Nevada. I didn't know we had badgers, but we shot a badger, and she decided, you know what, this is going to be my first animal that I want to do. Right. So she did an apprentice. So the following scout camp came up because they mm-hmm. had the taxidermist there every year. Mm-hmm. She says, okay, I'm really serious. She goes, all right, you can come into my shop. I ain't going to pay you anything and you're going to do everything I want you to do and the worst jobs and learn what I'm learning. And when we get to a certain point, now you can mount your own animal when we get there. So she was a natural at it. She was working and teaching kids at Gordon McCaw for a little while, but this was her niche. This is what she was passionate about. So we ended up buying that business about a year into that. And then right after that, uh, partnerships sometimes don't work out and so we went our own way and at that point is when it became personal for the family because we took a pretty big family vote with all the kids and her and yeah we want to do taxidermy as a family we love it so everybody but one person voted to do taxidermy i'm the one that voted no really (laughs) (laughs) i would not have guessed that well i think that's kind of like a lot of parents are like oh jimmy you want to get a dog and Jimmy's like, ah, I want to get a dog. That's all I can dream about. All right, now, Jimmy, you do understand. You're going to have to pick up the poop. Well, that's the part I don't want to do. Well, hey, when you get a dog, you got to get up every day. You got to feed it. You got to, you know, take care of it. And that's usually the part that the kids are like, ah. 
I just remember the fun part, you know? Well, Nailed they got it. Pay, they got payback <laughs> because Nailed now it. every time that they said, um, like when it was hard work, I'm out there all these hours and they were complaining. And I'm like, you guys need to come out here. You're the ones that voted. I didn't vote. So you get out here and do your job. Well, and with them being <laughs> so young, some of our family home evenings sometimes we'd get a big table out. Yeah. And we'd sit around the table with, with knives and flesh out a buffalo. Oh, or wow. a big boy. Because yeah. it's got to get done. Yeah. So that was, we spent a lot of evenings doing that. And all the kids had certain jobs. Um, we only have two of them that are actual taxidermists. And believe it or not, I mean, I taught Vicky everything I knew. And then, step, and then I stepped back a little. <laughs> but I actually don't even know how to do, well, I know how it goes, but I've never mounted an animal on my own. Oh, really? No. So and a lot of people think I do. Story? Yes. When we first started taxidermy, I think it was weird for guys to have a girl that does taxidermy. And I'd sit across the counter from them, and they'd ask questions like, so why do you cape it out like this, or why do you do that? But they wouldn't talk to me. They would only talk to him. Yeah. Sorry. So <laughs> then um, then Ryan would just, he would turn, look at me, ask me the question. Uh-huh. I'd answer, and then he'd turn around and answer the guy. And Are it would make serious? me so mad because I'm like, dude, I... I just answered that question and you won't talk to me. <laughs> and so it would really, really make me mad. But uh, the funny que- the funny story I was going to tell you is my kids have been doing this since, let's see, James was eight, nine. And so Robert was six. And they all had jobs to do. They had to skin. They had to do things and, and get in there. Um, but when they went to school, when, by the time they came to high school, James homeschooled for mm-hmm. a while because he wasn't doing good at school. And he, I made him work in the shop. So he homeschooled and had to work in the shop. And he managed the shop for two two weeks by himself because I got on jury duty the same year, opening season for um, hunting. So anyway, long story short, he started going back to basic for a little bit. Well, I didn't realize that my boys weren't having problems at basic because they were all scared of James because he would go to school with his bloody clothes on. And so they all said, (laughs) stay away from the Warner boys because they will skin you alive. And I didn't learn that until Sam was there and somebody was picking on her. And this guy goes, do you know who she's dating? One of the Warner boys, leave her alone. And I kind of was scared as as a mom. I'm like, I don't want them thinking that my kids do that but then i was real grateful that nobody was picking on them you know yeah for sure i thought that was kind of a cute story so is taxidermy a certification or uh how do you become an official taxidermist in the state of nevada unfortunately anybody can be a taxidermist so you can all you have to do is fill out the paperwork they Mm -hmm. do like you to have at least a six-month apprenticeship but they're they don't follow through with it. So a lot of times we get a lot of people that complain because the taxidermist did a crappy job. They did this because they have no training whatsoever. Um, But in most states you have to do a school um, or, or an approved apprenticeship. So um, I, but but here in the state of Nevada, you, you just do the paperwork and you can call yourself a taxidermist all day long. Yes. You can actually be a, a commercial taxidermist or a personal taxidermist, you have to have a license. And a lot of people in this state don't know that 
it's illegal for you to touch an animal without having a taxidermy license. I mean, you can hunt and you can gut it, but as soon as you start to flush it, start to preserve it to something else, you're actually breaking the law according to our statutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there that are teaching classes like how to um, mount rats and stuff like that, and they're not certified in any way, shape, or form. So uh, it, it's a sore subject for me because I've done it right for the first from the get go. Oh, for sure. But um, I get it that people just don't know. They just don't. And unfortunately, or fortunately, we did a lot with the um, Senate board hearings and a lot with the Department of Wildlife. So mm-hmm. I really got into that. That just knowing the knowledge of what's right and what's wrong. For sure, you're protecting your craft, something yeah. that you're passionate about. And I can't imagine being more pissed off then you go out you work hard you get the deer that you want you take it to a taxidermy and he murders it and then there's is there any recovery like do people bring in something that's already been mounted and they did a horrific job and then they want you to kind of here please fix this we have actually i was i'm kind of competitive so when james actually was a taxidermist and he got a license at 11, 10 or 11. He was the youngest taxidermist in the state of Nevada, but I made him do a two-year apprenticeship. Oh, good. And I was very hard on him. Um, But a guy came in and he said, oh, yeah, I had this guy do it out of his garage. It cost me $250. And at the time, my mounts were $400. Mm -hmm. Um, And he goes, but can you look at it and fix it for me? And it came in and I was like, oh, my gosh, this looks like a kindergartner did it. It's horrible. And I told the guy, I said, listen, you give my son 50 bucks and I will remount, I'll have him remount it for you and I guarantee you it will look 10 times better. And so that's what we did. And we took it apart and oh my gosh, they put hot glue around the eyes. They filled the ears up with hot glue. Wow. Um, I don't even think they stitched it. Do you remember? Mm. It didn't even look like it was tanned. It was horrible. I mean, horrible. Well, real quick, Vicki. So for those that don't, uh are not familiar with with taxidermy like so a lot of those little features that you talked about what what is a a good so you know what is a good piece because i don't think i think a lot of people look at them as trophies and but really i think you have more of an understanding that it's artwork and it's really a, a handcraft and so to maybe educate some of the people out there like what are some of the things that you know, gives you like, you know, gives you a, a sense of, uh, of, of accomplishment, I think. And of when you can see, like you're talking about what you just talked about was like a, a third grade art project versus a professional amount. What, what, what are some of the differences? Um, it changes all the time. I mean, to be honest, I'm not the same taxidermist I was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all good taxidermists are always learning. If you stop and you don't want to learn more, you're never going to be Well, let's, like, what's one of the goals? Like, I, when you know that you've got, like, this is a great mount, what does that mean? If you have to double take and say, oh, that looked alive, that's a compliment. Yes. That's oh, a compliment. If as you realistic have to look as at possible. It, right. And yeah. And so she does a little bit more details than an average commercial taxidermist would. But that would be a great compliment is, oh, that looked alive. I, I thought it was alive. Or, 
or things like that. And a lot of people will say, like, they'll come in and they'll go, oh, that creeped me out. It looks like it's looking at me. To me, they think it's rude. They think they just offended me. And I don't think so because I'm like, that means I did my job right. If if it looks alive and you're – but for me – and I've learned, I've met a lot of taxidermists throughout the year, masters and, and all different things. But to me, when you bring me an animal and you pick it up and you love it, no matter what the flaws are that I see that I could have done better, I, I'm happy. That's my accomplishment. But it's also a curse. Like I can't go to a house and look at mounts and not Critique. pick it apart. Yeah. Yes. But Especially my own. But well, taxidermy to us is a lot different than it is to a trophy hunter. Like if you look at our animals on the wall, they're not big animals. We we get made fun of by trophy hunters or, or big ones, but it's a 3D picture, and it's a conversation piece. So every little piece that you have hanging is a memory. Like It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is, but we can tell the entire story and relive it every time someone asks about a certain deer or whatever it is we have yeah right. bobcat so, or to yeah. us it's not it's more like mounting memories than yeah. mounting an animal um i did pets for a while i hated it um because it's not mounting memories they're they want you to mount their personality which is why we love our pets right and you can't do that you can't get their personality in a dead thing wait a minute People get their pets. Oh, you don't even know. Like, oh, I like, do. Like dogs and I cats. Do. Oh, yeah. Oh, All dogs. right. Well, before we get on the subject, let's just create a safe word because Vicky will get a little crazy. <laughs> no, she's no. no I've had dogs, cats, pet snakes. I've had um, sugar gliders. I've had guinea pigs, a chicken. A chicken? Um, yep. A pet chicken, which is actually was a really cool chicken. It, was, it went in and, out, in and out the doggy door. Um, I've done tons of rabbits. Rabbits are probably the hardest to have nice. Um, let's see. What else have we done that were pets? Some We've done tarantulas. Wow. Um, but I don't – I do exotic pets. Like, I do tigers for people that live in Pahrump. There's oh, some people out there. I thought you meant okay. for Florida, whose last oh, name is Basket. Come on. We just got off this quarantine. Everyone watched uh, Tiger King. Tiger yes. King. <laughs> Well, I didn't watch Tiger King, but I watched enough to know that some of my customers are actually on that. Oh. So um, I don't. Muskrat. Yes. Um, <laughs> but those have been really cool um, to see. We've had an African lion from them, which was absolutely beautiful. We've done serval cats for people that had pets. We've had boxing people bring in. What was that one cat? A caracal. We did a caracal. Oh, a caracal, yeah, with yeah. the pointy ears. Yeah. Yes, and it was a pet. So some pets I'll do. I I don't do. Well, cats those and dogs. pets. Well, those pets are unique, in on its own. Yes. But so those would be beautiful mounts. But if I walked into someone's house and I saw a Fido in the corner, like like a, just your average beagle dog, that would freak me out. We've had some people though that come up with some creative ones, like they wanted their dog. With lifting its leg peeing and it could be the doorstop um we've had some some creepy ones um i, I don't want to put anybody out there but um like f- they wanted us to create the bones and wear them as hair pieces um wow. we've had them want us to has anyone asked i got to has anyone asked to do a human yes in fact dave wood almost talked me into doing a leg with my first partner um, we had a freeze dryer. I don't know if you know what a freeze dry machine does, but it takes freeze out. Freeze dries? Yes. 
But it doesn't wow. take the proteins out. <laughs> that tie doesn't lie. I know. Right? He's very smart. Um, but uh, he, they had their leg amputated. I think he was in 525, actually. Oh, really? And he wanted it mounted, and he wanted a bookshelf made out of it. And I really thought about doing it, but my partner at the time said no. So, it, it, there's no legalities when it comes there's to... There's nothing legally in the statutes that says you cannot do humans. But wow. Yeah, this, I, is a, this is an educational program yes, tonight. Yes. It, now, his mom put in her will that I was not allowed to taxidermy her. And he put in his <laughs> will, I'm not allowed to taxidermy him. Because when That's I'm mad, because awesome. you guys are always in trouble, and he's not any different, Yeah. I always tell him I'm going to taxidermy him sitting on the couch smiling. So he's always smiling at me. So... <laughs> But he doesn't. There's a lot of things that the shop has done with the kids. I mean, a lot of pranks, a lot of that. So the kids have got pretty good personalities. Yes. (laughs) One quick story, and that was when we first opened on Basic right there. Yeah. I mean, years ago, James was really young. So we were homeschooling him. Well, she got called to a jury jury duty. And it was a two-week-long that she couldn't get out of. So right in October, right when Huntington started, our middle son, James, Ran the company by himself, like checked in. I mean, he was stacking up deer heads from customers coming in. Well, in the middle of all this, uh, one of the Henderson animal control officers called up and says, hey, I got a possum. I'm going to bring this possum in. And uh, we're like, wow, that's cool. Where do you get a possum? Somewhere on Boulder Highway. So we brought the possum in. So he... uh, Alive. Alive. (laughs) (laughs) So he left the possum there and, and, and left. And, and I thought it would be funny. So James called me up because I was able to talk on the phone. She was in jury duty. And I go, well, you know, just take it out back and get it, you know, just go ahead and, and do what you got to do and then bring it back in and skin it up. And we'll mount it for their education program. Mm-hmm. So I gave it about 15 minutes and I called them back and was like, James, James, the, the animal control officer just called back. They found the owner. They're going to come down and get it. <laughs> I knew it had happened already. <laughs> So he started freaking out. Dad, they're going to do everything. I, I, I already did it. I already put it to sleep. I already, you know, and he's freaking out. And I was like, well, just open the cage and act like it got out <laughs> and all that. And uh, he's like freaking out, just wanting, could get off early. Come help me. Come help me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> he and, didn't uh, talk to you for three days. He, he didn't talk to me That's for awesome. a little while. And our, I love this animal control officer. He's the coolest ever, but. During jury duty, I went to go set up James to make sure before I left. He brought me a live rattlesnake, and I am deathly afraid of snakes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what do you want me to do with this? So we had to put it in the freezer, and you hear it rattling as it's dying. And I'm like, nope, I can't do this. Do not ever bring me anything alive again. (laughs) We've had a lot of people bring us live things, though. That's crazy right there. Like You would think it's like, well, come on, you know, you got to wait till it's dead. Well, we had a guy with a pet duck. He was the coolest guy ever. I really enjoyed him. But the duck probably stood about this tall. Big duck. And, and it was Ryan, alive when he brought it in. Yes. Poor Ryan had to put it to sleep. Yes. Wow. It was not fun. So we don't like to do things like that. I've had people ha- bring in their pets and ask me to measure them while they're alive so that I can mount them when they're dead. And that's creepy to me. So What's the biggest animal you've done? <sighs> Maybe a muskox? Yeah, probably a muskox. Bison. You did a couple big bison, but... But it was a life-size muskox. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, what is that? A muskox is kind of like a mix between a buffalo and a cape buffalo. 
It's in Alaska, oh, okay. and they're really they got really long hair, and they have bosses. Oh, okay. So they're they're really cool animals, but I did that at the old shop that we were at. And so so when you do a mount, they a full body. Like, mm-hmm. like those would be a full, complete body of the animal. Yep, a life size. Not yep. like the ones like deer you'll see on the wall or an elk or something where it's just... A wh- shoulder mount. A shoulder mount or a, the cape or something like that. Or Yeah, can you get the vocabulary straight, please? Well, the cape is right. Man. You use the cape to make yeah. the shoulder mount. Yes. Yeah. see? And then there's half life I've deer sizes. hunted before, man. I, I, I've shot some deer. Okay. Are you a good skinner or caper? That's no, because my, <laughs> wife, my wife does not like any of it in. She, she she would not do it, so I, it's never on the table. So I just do the animal. Now I've given I, I've given the cape and the mount to other people, and they've taken it and and done something with it because they wanted it. But I've never kept any of mine, only because I, I got no reason. The one that I've always wanted to do, and I don't know what the technical name of it is, but just the white skull. A European. A European mount, mm-hmm. where it's, it's it's just like on a piece of like a plaque or mm-hmm. wood. And it's the deer or the elk, and it's just the white, kind of a shiny, kind of glossy right. look on it. Well, I like those. My neighbor that we were talking to you about, um, he's not allowed to have anything in his house either. So I made a deal with his wife. If I made it pretty enough that she would like it, that she would let it go in the house. And I asked him, I said, hey, does it matter what I do to it? Do you care? He goes, if you can get those antlers in the house, I don't care what you do to it. So... We made a little form for it, and we decorated it with sunflowers. And oh, so really? it's just a horn mount with sunflowers, and she absolutely loves sunflowers. So she now has that in her living room. Oh, really? Wow. But my oh, goal a- used to be, because I always got guys that came in and said, my wife makes me put it in the garage. She won't let me have it. So my number one goal, and a lot of people don't like it, and I get it, um, is I make them look more sweet. Even if they're a big buck, a monster buck, I try to make them look sweet, and the ladies seem to like it better. And yeah. um, then they allow them to come in the house. Well, I think that's a great perspective. You know, we talked about the different facets of our show, and and part of that is is understanding that in most of our relationships we have another partner, and and so if anything, I would say that that's that's an added benefit to having you in the shop and. Uh, beyond your expertise of, uh, as a, a taxidermist, but also as a wife. Yes. Well, I think it's nice because most ladies that come in now that never hunted or anything, I may be an oddball lady, I guess, but I hunt and I I only hunt what I eat. I won't, I won't hunt something I don't eat. Like mm-hmm. I won't predator hunt because I don't eat it, but that's my own preference. Um, but a lot of them come in and then they they start to say, I'm going to go hunt. I'm going to start doing this because it's normal. It becomes normal for them because there's another girl doing it. So, Well, part of the avenues with our taxidermy shop, too, is we're real big in the community. Yeah. We take so many first timers out. We do a lot with conservation. Conservation, we almost put in more hours than hunting. Is that where? So, is that so, where that so yeah, led yeah. To? Let's jump into the Nevada Outdoor Adventure Foundation. This well, one's different. Yeah, this is a little different. We don't do okay. conservation, but we've done tons of conservation here, like water for wildlife and things like that. But so I've done those fundraisers and banquets. We built water guzzlers here that collect the rainwater. We've done habitat restoration, uh, duck nests there. But so. 
that has led me to the Nevada Outdoor Adventure Foundation. Because uh, a General Buck Bedard, a three-star general, lieutenant general, came here. And uh, we met him through a yard sale. But it ended up we kind of were on the same dirt in some different countries. And so we ended up forming kind of a bond through all that. And mm-hmm. he is from Minnesota and was back there and got invited to this big banquet on taking out wounded warriors and kids with disabilities or life-threatening illness. So he came back about three years ago and had me over his place and said, listen, I think I found what we should be doing here in Southern Nevada, and that is taking out veterans and kids with disabilities and getting them in the outdoors at, at no matter what cost. Um, so we're still kind of in the beginning phases of it, but we've done some really good, uh, programs and not everybody hunts or fishes. I mean, that's what we all love to do for the most part, but we'll take them camping, river rafting, a helicopter ride. So anything that's in the outdoors, we, um, we try to accommodate that and we try to stick with Southern Nevada or Nevada. And I'll tell you, raising money hasn't been the hardest issue we've had. Getting recipients um, has been our toughest obstacle. Getting people to go on these trips and experiences has been probably our hardest well, hardest is that, battle. Is it because they don't want to go? Or is, or is it, it the parents, maybe, that don't have the experience? Like, who Like who does? I mean, for, for some of us, just thinking about some of the things you just rattled off, I mean, that's like what you said earlier, like an eBay trip, you know, that's like winning a little golden ticket. So it, it, where's the disconnect? You, you know, we're not sure yet. We're still working on that. So maybe even coming here with you guys and, and with your followers would be able to know somebody that knows somebody or something like that. So that's, 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 and that's what we do. Uh, we we do a lot of hunts in Arizona. There's a, a place out there that helps accommodate handicapped, uh, wheelchair bound, missing limb or anything like that. So like I say, we will make it happen no matter what the disability is. We try to make it happen however we can. And uh, one of our first hunts with our kids, and this is how we kind of learned how to do it, is there was a guy in a wheelchair, hasn't really shot much. We couldn't get him in and out of trucks. He wasn't easy. So we had a flatbed trailer with some sides on it. But so, you need to explain this is a private ranch because you're not allowed to do okay, that. Okay, yeah, this is a, a, a private ranch in Arizona. It's only a couple hours away. but mm-hmm. So we had two of the boys in there. One of them was in the back of the truck telling me what to do and which way to turn. And one of the boys was his uh, stick holder to rest his rifle on. The other one was spinning him in the trailer like a, a turret, a turret yeah. on a <laughs> machine gun. So we... We had a couple struggles, but we got it. And he had just the time of his life. And just seeing that, yeah, and what we're doing, that's so we kind of got out of the conservation. Uh, we did a lot with animal shelters. We kind of got a lot of out of that, and this has been our our focus is the Outdoor Adventure Foundation. And my opinion is, a lot of the wounded warriors are very prideful, and so they don't want something for nothing. But the ones that we've gotten to go out, man, the world turns around. Just oh, yeah. they're just it's an opens a new world for them. And we just took three ladies out last weekend or the weekend before. Yeah, two uh, Air Force veterans uh, disabled, 
um, all just had uh, deployments in Iraq, Afghanistan, and stuff like that. And then uh, one Marine. Where did you take them? What they do? The Arizona, the Arizona ranch, and uh, we yeah. got they got two rams and a and a pig. Oh wow! And I'll tell you what that when we are working so hard to get all the other things done and the banquets coming up, trying to get all that ready, seeing them and their enjoyment of something they've never done before is just amazing. It, oh, it makes yeah. the whole, it makes it all come together. So, and none of them had ever hunted before. Oh, you know, really? they've shot, they, you know, yeah. in the military, yeah. but um, never hunted. So it's a different world for them. And they had a blast. I liked it because it's the first girls we've gotten to take out. So, uh, did, did you mount their animals? We, I am mounting their oh, animals. Oh, good. Yes. Awesome. Well, there was one other girl that we did take out, but she wasn't a veteran, but she was in the. Oh, that's right. Cat. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know yeah. if we are. I don't know how it is on saying names or anything like that, but she was a Route 91 survivor, cancer okay. survivor. Oh, wow. Um, At 19. Very nice cancer. young lady or family. We know them real good. Yes, and, and actually, I, I, I take that back because that was the first one. She's so, she was so quiet and shy, but she had a great shot. And, yeah, we mounted hers, too, and gave awesome. it to her. The foundation t- does that for them. They pay for them to get mounted, or, or I donate it, whichever one. Um, but it, it's nice to see them get excited. So I love quick, hearing stories about yeah, because yeah. especially with the route uh, with uh, you know Route fifty one and what oh ninety one is well Joe just posted a hat there's a there's a fifty eight group now there's oh. there's a couple different versions so I've seen that yeah, yeah. and so um, so how how because I I imagine most of the people that get recommended are probably recommended from like a family member or a friend. How easy is the application process if we know someone that could probably benefit in their life from this? How do we how do we put someone in contact? It's extremely like how do we bring that together. It's extremely easy. Our we got some great guys on our board and like I say, no one gets paid. So we're right. almost every penny that we raise is is well spent. So some of our volunteers and, and you may even know some of them in the real estate Maybe. industry. We'll see. <laughs> but uh they they created our website yeah. that mm-hmm. you can just go to it. It's the nvoaf.org, mm-hmm. and there's places on there that you can just put them to. But since you guys know me, if you knew somebody, just call me, and I even make it easier. But like I say, we do one fundraiser a year. Uh, they do, um, and this year is going to be a little hard because of the 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 distancing yeah, that yeah, we're having to be do. Different. They, there were. Almost at a third capacity at this fundraiser that we're doing in July, but at least we get to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we pass out a lot of pamphlets there, a lot of information. Yeah. And like I say, for for some reason, this is the hardest thing that we're trying to do. And some places don't want us to go in there, like the VA hospitals, VA clinics. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to go in there and really pass out pamphlets or try to or the to get people. Or, yeah, the children's hospital that. doesn't really want us in there. Which we get because it's kind of like soliciting. That's probably how they feel. And they're all going through a rough time, especially at that time. So it, it's just hard to get. It's hard to figure out how to not offend people. Because I know our youngest boy saw um, a young man in a wheelchair and he was he overheard him talking about wanting to go archery hunting um i don't know what his um element was i don't know what he was going through but he went up to him and he said hey we have a disney world trip that was donated to our foundation i'd Mm -hmm. love to give that to you and your family and the dad kind of looked at us funny 
And and then he goes, but I heard you want a archery hunt. He goes, I would love to take you out. And the kid was so excited, but the oh, dad God. was like, no, not having it. He's like, no, he's not archery hunting. He's not able to do that. He's so I think because we're not on that side, we don't understand um, what the struggles they're going through to mm-hmm. to do that. But we would love if people would say, you know, what can we do to make it better? Because that's all it is about taking them out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and getting them to do something that they haven't got to do. And if there's a will, there's a way. Right. Like just like the story you told me that the guy that was struggling shooting. I mean, you, you kind of think outside the box and you make it happen. And then those are the, what the memories. I bet that guy has told that story so many times to his friends and stuff of the the fantastic time he was out there shooting. But he had to have two boys in the trailer and the dad and they're yelling. It's like, okay, turn right, turn left. I, I'm picturing it in my head, kind of a funny scene, but at the same time, you were able to accomplish your goal and he was able to shoot. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just you know, like I say, a lot of these, they go in the military, they're young, you know, and, and they go through these life-changing experiences and it's a hard transition when they come back or even kids with a disability. It's just mm-hmm. a, a hard transition getting put back into life life just sometimes different than what it was right and so we have changed i mean we've only taken out maybe 20 veterans and i would say of the 15 we're still in contact with and it has changed their life like all they did was sit at home and you know and and sulk and play video games and and drink or you know turn to other things and now i mean a lot of these guys we helped put in for hunting this year which lowered our chances and I'm disappointed <laughs> about that but I would say about seven of those put in this year to hunt for Nevada you well, know the big game you, draw so going back to uh the hunting experience do you think it's because maybe I uh, think about that experience about the dad is not everyone has a love of hunting and not everyone knows what hunting means right and, and so in in today's society right we go down to costco we buy our meat it looks pretty it looks clean it looks sterile and then you know when you talk about bringing home meat that you have to gut that you have to clean you know you have to pack out stuff like that it's a complete different experience and also what a lot of people don't still sounds like a good time yes is <laughs> It is just because you go like you guys take them out to the ranch. So their probability of getting some really nice game super high for most people. When you talk about pulling a tag, there's no guarantee. And and I think, too, I think part of what I see, too, Vicky, for those that don't understand is in order for you to to be good at what you do, you have to actually have a love of animals. And that's what people don't understand about hunters is and about the conservation side of things Mm -hmm. is you actually have to love the animals enough to love not just that animal, but its entire species and what it brings to the table. And whereas people like movies to kind of portrayed, you know, big game hunter, big trophy. And and it's all about that sport game. And, And there's, you know, I'm not taking away from that. I'm just saying that people don't understand you know, my friends that go hunting all the time, you know, in order to be really good at it, you have to know everything about that game, know the tracks, know the scat, know its patterns. Mm-hmm. And, and and you don't do it just to, you know, 
just, just to be hunting. There's a whole experience. And, and, and I think that's what Adam was leading to yeah. as well. Is, and, and that's what I loved about your earlier story is you're helping recreate a memory. Right. And, and, and same, same thing with this is you're trying to generate instead of, you know, instead of coloring in a memory, in, in, in the foundation sounds like, you know, our goal is just to create great memories and create a passion that, that obviously, you know, the three-star general buck has and, and, you know, bring people into something that they can see. And not just a passion. I think it's a respect. Absolutely. There's so many people because being on this, going to the Senate boards and fighting, um, I call them anti-hunters, but um, you you learn a lot about ignorance. And, and I mean that in the actual true sense of the word, but... They, they, you know, a lot of times they told my kids they were murderers and horrible. And my kids would come home and cry. And I'm like, that's, you're not a murderer. You know, the God has put animals on this earth for us to hunt and, and manage and, and respect them. And we eat everything that we kill. Mm-hmm. And we choose not to go to the store and, and buy our meat. I don't condemn anybody for that, but... I actually don't like um, slaughterhouses and what they have to do with that. And I grew up with my family, had a lot of farmers, and I, you know, you get to see what happens to them. And so for for us and our family, it's hard for us at first to understand the other side of people right. that, that, that don't get mm-hmm. hunting. Because to me, um, and Ryan, Ryan has taught our boys from a very young age, if you kill something, you will show respect to it and you will eat it. So our boys have eaten probably <laughs> things they shouldn't be eaten, like rats or pigeons. <laughs> and, but they learned early that you don't yeah. kill it if you don't plan on eating it. And that's they're trying to eat what we're trying to hunt too, like coyotes right. and stuff like that. Well, we conser- do, we do you that. know, that's part of conservation. Yeah. Uh, people don't see that, but it really is. No, it, it is. I was, um, I, I donated time. I helped weld up a, a couple stands for the fraternity of the bighorn. Yes. yes. And we put in a bunch of guzzlers and stuff like that. And I, I, I was never a member, but I would just help out. Uh, the guy I used to work for was a, was really involved in it. So he would, he would get me to come along and I loved the good helicopter ride out in the middle of nowhere. And then we would weld up these frames to build these, t- to hold these plastic tanks. And then we'll build like a slip dam up the mountain. And when the rain comes in, it fills the tanks and then, the guzzler on a float system so the sheep would be able to, especially here in southern Nevada where the water was kind of scarce, you know, the, the bighorn sheep would be able to do We've that. We've probably been on same of the sun projects. Yes. We did the same stuff. And, yeah. and, and the yeah. fraternity is awesome. They're, they're awesome on what they do, but people don't realize on the backside all the political parts they have to do to be able to do that for animals. Well, yeah, and, and, and it's, it, awesome. it's a group of hunters. Mm-hmm. that are helping to protect the animals and as those animals grow there's a proper time that it's time to hunt them and 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 it, it's a it's a whole it's a circle of life it is. and there's a really big difference between domestic animals our pets and then wild animals i mean For there's sure. a different mentality matter of fact we used to donate a lot of the local shelters we'd go in there and clean them out and donate cat litter dog food and we kind of got ran ran out of those places because of you know we love animals, but we also hunt, and it didn't seem like, you know, you could do both. Yeah, but so. it's fun to see people educated too. Like we used to open up the shop for um, Opportunity Village and um, like senior citizens. Yeah, and 
So we had a chili cook-off, which sounds weird, at a taxidermy shop. But we had people come and put in chilies, and it was free. You can come in and judge it. And we had Opportunity Village come in, and they're like, it was amazing to them. Because just like kids, they come in, they'll never get to touch a real deer in real life. They'll never get to. Yeah. So I let them touch things. and um, But my favorite one was the senior citizen um I think it was at the Heritage Park. They called me and they're like, can we do a tour? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You can come to a tour. And I'm expecting a whole bunch of old guys, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. all women, oh, all really? older women. And I'm like, when they showed up, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I know I'm just going to get crap here. And no, they were fascinated. They wanted to know everything. And I tried to put up all my bloody stuff. And and like I have a, a baby bighorn sheep in a jar that my son's you was pregnant and I didn't mm-hmm. want it, the coyotes to eat it so I kept it and they're like what's that what's that I want to know and it was just so fun to see them get excited but you got to I got to educate them like well what do you do with the meat what do you do with that why do you have that and I'm like well you can mount it and put it on the wall and that does your memory you eat your meat mm-hmm. you use the back the rest of the back cut if you want you can make things out of it. you can make gloves you could which my husband and um, the boys got into with the Elks Lodge. They would, I don't know why they put so many hours into it. But to, to me, fleshing something is a long time. It takes a long time to do that. But they would flesh it and salt it and get it ready for the Elks Lodge. Elks Lodge would pay to get it tanned and make gloves for um, people in wheelchairs. Mm. So if you ever see oh, them okay. with those on there, they, yeah. a lot of times they give them free to them and they get a pair a year. So I was telling them that, I'm like you, you, there's so many things you can make, well, so many things you can do. With and they animals. donated uh, them to the disabled veterans. Yes. And our kids did this. Well, mm-hmm. what was the last year we got one veteran to go on a hunt, and we were talking about doing this for the veterans. And one of the guys was in a wheelchair and said, "Hey, look," took out his gloves and said, "This is exactly where I got this these gloves." And our youngest son Robert, I swear to you, had a tear in his eye, just like. Yeah, I know you. I hunted with you, and you got this. And yeah, that's awesome. You know, he was a part of that. So well, they got to see what hard work does. Yeah, and I I think with us being into hunting with them so young, they kept them out of trouble. They didn't, you know, they didn't get the drugs and alcohol. They didn't do any of that. Church helped a lot with that too, but. They're kind of rowdy still, though. Yeah, they're. Uh, But they did. We all are. I mean, they had Boy Scouts over in our shop, killed chickens, and. I guess because I have three boys, I never thought some boys wouldn't like that. And this one poor boy, we killed a rabbit and we killed a chicken and he freaked out. Oh, and really? We were teaching him how to skin it. And, you know, like if you're out in the wild. Yeah, yeah, we for sure. We were doing a thing of, if you ever get stuck out, this is what you need to do kind of thing. And, and it turned into a barbecue. Yeah, they wanted to eat it. And we did that. And we fed him snake and just different, just... I want kids to think outside the box because they're so by the book now, you know, and they don't realize that they can live and do things outside that. So. Which is exactly like your story of of your kids next door, you know, playing in the in the dirt with bikes. Like we let our kids yeah. do all that. They've shot. They, my kids have been welding since you know building their own stuff since they were you know could almost walk. And, but I don't know anyone who's gone on a hunting trip. And doesn't walk away with the memory, even if they don't walk away with an animal. That something always happens on there, like while you were thinking of it, everything that you can eat on an animal. I fell in love with the man who kind of taught me a little bit out 
how to hunt, how to field dress and stuff was a guy named Alan Murphy. Did you ever meet him? I doesn't sound familiar. Old pipe fitter out of the local and stuff. And he he taught me, and I can only have it fresh, but right after we have the deer, we cut the heart out and we cut the liver out. And that night, he cooks up liver and onions, fresh. It's still warm out of the animal. That is to die for. That is so good. But if you go buy a liver at the store or anything else, I don't know why I, I just I, I can't eat it. But the, he was the one who taught me after I shot my very first deer. This was kind of a funny story. <laughs> he taught me how to field dress. So I get my deer and I cut it, cut them open. And he says, okay, you got to get your hands up there. And you want to grab the uh, esophagus. You want to grab the esophagus, cut it, and pull it out, and it will all come out. And I, I'm inside the animal, and I'm going, what's the esophagus, man? I don't know what that is. He goes, excuse me. He goes, find something that feels like your pecker. I found it. Okay, cut it. I cut it, and I pulled all the guts out in one pull. And that's how he taught me. But I'm standing out. We were in uh, about 115, 114 area. Yeah. You know, Great Basin National Park on the backside of the mountain. Mount Moriah. Yep. All that, yeah. That's where I shot it. I pull them. I pull the guts out. We're cleaning up. We get the liver out. We get the heart out. We put it back in there, so I can hike it out. Right. Put it back in the in the body. And blood in my hands and stuff. I've never felt more confident. Like I can almost figure out and do anything. And, and it, it, it made me feel more like. And I think this is what it's going to be doing with these some of these veterans. Is they're going through a tough time with their illness or with their disability or PTSD or whatever it is that they're going through, or even the kids being able to do something like that, to harvest an animal, to clean the animal, to be able to eat off that animal. When I was able to go home, I thought of that story months into eating that animal, feeding it to my family and said, you know, I did that with my own hands. That's something that I did. And it made me, I felt a little bit like a badass, a little bit manly, you know, like, you know, the, this is what life is all about, you know, you know, you provide. And, and I provided for my family with that, just that one deer. And, you know, if, when you're telling me these stories about these veterans and these people, you're giving them those, that, that extra hope. So it's like when they have to go through rehab, when they have to go through some of these tough things, hopefully they'll remember this as a good memory and as a good time but that builds their confidence. Like, you know what? I can get through this tough rehab. I can get through this problem if I can do that. Right. Oh, I That's agree. Okay. And as a family be, leading up to this, which has gave us good practice, we've done that with neighborhood kids and kids that, you know, really didn't have that example. So personally with our family, we do this for anybody. Uh, we're still the family that'll stop on the side of the road and help somebody, you know, and, and get them out. But we have always done that with everybody but yeah this is definitely really fulfilling to see to see that go down like you telling that story i mean i felt it i didn't mm -hmm. hear it i felt it i yeah. mean it's that's how it is that's how it is that's awesome we appreciate you guys coming in on the show telling their stories talking about the foundation we're going to put all the links and bios and uh we'll put your address and phone number down do you guys welcome guests or uh, visitors to come by the shop anytime? Is it that kind of a or shop? Is it just apprentice? Well, you right. prefer for the apprentice? Next, no, I don't want apprentices. For the next couple months, we decided like our son's getting out. We're trying to slow down. 
we're putting in a, a gun store with us and okay. we set up a classroom for education but for the next probably couple months it's going to be tough but after hunting season yeah bring yeah, them in doing, um, yeah, okay. and we're doing by appointment only right now because of all the pandemic okay. stuff oh for I, sure I just, just keep people safe but yeah i really don't care to, I, I don't mind having people come in i'm going to start doing classes teaching people how to skin them out teaching people how to cape them how to properly flesh and salt them how to just anything i'm going to start mm-hmm. teaching classes because there's a lot of hunters that don't know and they don't want to make mistakes so, for sure um but yes they can they can call right now they'll probably get an answering machine because i'm trying to catch up from having to be closed so well um, uh, i'll put your email and uh um your number down so yeah. go down to the bio guys if you're listening to the show check them out uh go to their website i'll put the foundation website so if anybody out there knows anyone that would fit the criteria of this of this foundation, this is a fantastic opportunity for them to be able to get out, maybe start a new hobby. Yeah, you know, and and and, and have some some kind of adventure in their life. If if you know anyone that that, that kind of fits into that, you know, please uh, uh, let them know. So I, I'll put all that information out there. No, Even we'd love to see you guys come out there with us on one of these hunts and yes. really get oh, a good dude, film. that's awesome. Two hours I away. I want to see Eric out there. Yes. Well, even on Facebook, Bloody if it's fry. if they're not somebody that's on this, but they've always thought about hunting and never took took the time and wanted so, to do it, yeah, contact so, him. He'll take Ryan, it. that's where I'm at. So for the listeners who are wondering, hey, why didn't I share a hunting story? I've never been hunting. I've had a few opportunities to go out with friends like, hey, hey, I'm going to go out. Uh, like Randy Robbins invited me out a couple of years ago and Randy went out by himself and it was pouring like dogs. He didn't get anything. He was like, it was hell. Still a story. It's yeah. still a story. Yeah. And I'm like, well, glad I didn't do that. And um, and, and then uh, my friend Sam usually gets a tag every year. And uh, and they've used, you know, they, they drop their, their animals off to you. And I actually have quite a few friends that, that, that get tags. And, and just... Life has just never left. And obviously, Adam's never invited me. So, um, (laughs) is, uh, you know, and so that's why, like, I have, that's why I bring that perspective of, well, hey, Vicky, tell us a little bit about more, like, educate, because, you know, like, I'm really good friends with Derek, right? And Derek's invited me. Derek Banks is, oh, yeah. 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 And Derek's like, you know, he's from, you know, September to, December, you never see him, right? He, he's out there every weekend and seems like every day. I love the Banks family. And so, you know, I have a lot of friends that are really super involved, but I like, so. Well, we're going to have to set it up, man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll set it up. Out out there. Yeah. It's different going with them and doing it yourself. You got to get out there and do it yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, That's and fantastic. so, like, other little obstacles, like, I don't have my uh, gun safety certification and, like, like, little obstacles like that. Where I don't think, like you don't realize, like oh that sounds great, but those are some things like talk about. Well, the quarantine. hunter safety you gotta have. Yeah, have, have the hunter safety for Nevada, safe. for but for the ranch you don't. No. Well, we go through our own little safety. Yes. I, we prefer it, but you don't have to. But now you know a guy. Yeah. I do hunt. We set up hunter safety classes, uh, weapons classes, because you know, like I say, we're involved in a lot. And nice. if you're like all these new weapons being bought. They need education because a lot of Absolutely. these new weapons being bought aren't educated. Yeah, no, no. So they're just buying safety. them. They're, they're just buying because they're cool and they see it online. Yes, you know they definitely need that education. And I, I, I completely agree. I recommend hunter safety for 
everybody that's even around guns because as the safety aspect and the program the Nevada Department of Wildlife has put out for kids of adults and everything the the curriculum of that class is amazing whether you're and it makes hunter, you think about it whether yeah. you're a hunter or not I think yeah. anybody that has a gun in their house should have that I, I agree with that absolutely absolutely of course, I've never in my entire life had a gun pulled on me until my wife got her CCW. <laughs> she carries all the time, and I got Annie Oakley. I'm living with Annie Oakley with a anytime. She'll I could see her. Put her through hunter safety, and she won't do it again. Oh, she has. She goes to hunter safety, and she has a uh, front sight membership. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so she's educated. I'm the one that's right, Well, there might be some more issues there than we <laughs> yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think I you shared a little bit of the backroom yeah. stories, not well, just... That's because you're always in trouble, right? Yeah, you're yeah. always yeah. in you're trouble. You're well-behaved at certain times. Yeah. Yes. You you walk in the house, a shotgun, a pump shotgun makes a distinct sound, <laughs> and that will make your butt pucker right now. Like, in our household, whoop. we have a rule. If you walk in the door, you say, don't shoot. Because yeah, if we right. don't know you're coming, <laughs> and you walk in the door, you probably have a weapon at your pointed at you yes yeah yeah it's just that kind of world right now well so. thank goodness for a ring doorbell she knows i'm coming up the door before i <laughs> get to the door no she's good and, and, and we're the same way we believe it she believes in that education when she started to conceal carry she wanted to make sure she was completely comfortable with not just that weapon but all the rules and feeling comfortable on drawing it shooting it all of that stuff. So, so she yeah. practices and, and, and does all that. And that, I've always commend her for that. When she made that decision to start caring, she did not want to be just one of those people that just carried. She wanted to be fully educated. It's very important. And somebody just this last year has recognized why we could do all that and has been pretty comfortable. And That's she good. might know tax for me, but I can still outshoot her a little bit. <laughs> Who's got the biggest deer? Anyway, that was a good show. <laughs> Well, uh, Ryan, Vicki, thank you so much for coming on, uh, sharing your story, sharing the foundation. And uh, I want to say thank you for doing that. Yeah. I, I really felt that also when you guys were telling about the foundation and helping these people out. I also saw kind of a pattern how service is really, how service brought you and your father together. And now service is bringing you with these guys. The, the, I never served, but I've been around people who have served in the military in different branches. There's definitely a bond there, even if you don't know the person. There's an immediate bond, and I've always been impressed with that. I've always been, and I won't lie, I've been a little envy of that, that that, that kind of special bond that you guys have. And you, when you shared it with your dad, that you had that bond with him after you served and then, and then doing this, I, I think that's fantastic. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And we loved having you guys. Well, thank you, you guys for talk. the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and anybody out there, please tell someone about the show. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes or leave a comment. That really helps us out and that helps get the show out. Even if you don't like to leave a comment, just tell a friend about the show. So thank you so much for listening. All right. Appreciate you.